have a three-one lead. <laughs> Are you surprised? I'm actually not. You know, I know when we first kicked off um, the reunion podcast, you know, we, we talked about what our predictions were. And I did predict, I believe, Raptors and six. So this, to me, it's, you know, being that 3-1, it's somewhat surprising, but I knew that they would have a, a lead, whether it be 3-1 or, you know, 2-2. Two, two, I knew they'd, they'd make it through. But, yeah, it's they're playing well. They are playing well. Are you surprised they took the two at Oracle, though? I think uh, that's what I think shocked me is, you know, the, the first game I kind of figured um, I, I've – didn't I wouldn't say I knew they'd win, but I figured they'd play well just because of the energy of the crowd. I thought that'd be the game. If anything, they'd steal. Uh, and then when they lost game two, I thought you know that's that's could be trouble going into Oakland. Yeah. But are, are you surprised that Golden uh, State, who's who's so familiar with that, and not only that they're familiar with that court so much in this situation, but the fact that it was those could have been the last two games at Oracle. Yeah. I, for me. I wasn't too surprised, especially knowing that Clay was out for Game Three. You know, being that you have uh, essentially Steph and no bench going up against Raptors full health, I, I knew the Raptors were going to win Game Three. If they would have lost Game Three, to me, this series been over. You know, Golden State would have won. But going into Game Four, uh, you know, I was curious to see what would happen. And you know, uh, Golden State built that lead early on first half. Um, you know, towards the end of the first half, you see, you know, the Raptors chipping away, chipping away, and then third quarter, Kawhi happened. You know, he just he started the first or the third quarter, I think, back-to-back threes. Uh, hit a three, got a steal, hit a three, and then that just changed the whole momentum, in my opinion. So a bit surprised about game four that they took, but game three, with all the injuries, I, I knew the Raptors were going to win. Really? <laughs> I don't know, man. The whole time, like right when, we, right when it got started, you know, my, I remember even saying in the last podcast, my gut tells me the Raptors are going to get swept. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't trust my gut. And there's something, something special happening with the Raptors. But, you know, I... I, I don't, I'm not worried, but it's, I'm, I'm wondering that, you know, the, the narrative of this whole championship, because of the state of the Warriors, yeah. you know, there's uh, Durant's not playing, Clay Thompson was out, uh, and then obviously probably playing injured or not to 100% right now. I mean, I, I'm, I think the narrative going in is it won't be, if the Raptors do in the series, it won't be the Raptors won. I think it's going to be that the Golden State Warriors weren't healthy. You know, it, it, like almost like a, the reason they won was because the Warriors weren't the Warriors that we're used to. But here's the thing. Do you thing. think that's fair? Uh, I, I, I don't because the Warriors are getting a taste of their own medicine. What I mean by that, when you look at the first championship run they had in 2015, 2016, every team they went through through the, East, or excuse me, through the West, their main, if not secondary star, was injured every single series. And then you get to the finals – you're facing the Cavs already without Kevin Love because Kelly O'Neill with you know Celtics you know messed his shoulder up so he was out. Kyrie got hurt game one, and then they won right. So you didn't hear a lot of Warriors fans out here saying, "Oh yeah, you know we won fair and square." Like no, you guys won because injuries. And then you fast forward to the next year, they blew a three-one lead. He hit KD the following year. It's just unfair. So they're essentially getting a taste of the medicine because if you look at even last year, if Chris Paul didn't go down. The Rockets would have won that series, right? So this is it to me. It's about damn time that the injury bug is catching up to the, the to the Warriors because it, throughout this whole dynasty, there's been one, if not two, major injuries to each opponent that they're playing, giving them that advantage. So I, I think it's it's all fair game. So you you hear a lot of fans out here saying, yeah, oh, if we had KD, obviously, right? Oh, if if Clay was an out game three, yeah, probably, right? But still, make do with what you have. No excuses. If you lose, take it like a man. You lost. Call it again. 
Well, I also feel like the the team that we're seeing right now without Kevin Durant and you know even without Clay Thompson to an extent, that is still a good NBA team. Anywhere I mean, else, do you know what I, I mean? Agree. Like if yeah. you look across the NBA, that's they're still one of the top teams in the league with Steph Curry and you know Boogie Cousins, Andre Iguodala. Like that's Andrew Bogut at one point was a not a great player, but a really really good player. You know, I know he's on the down on the other side of his career there now, but. It's still a really good team, you know, and it's just that's the thing I find. It's just we don't. I look at this team and I figure th- this is the team without the super. It's just a good team. Agreed. You know, and I, and I don't. I I think it's it's still a reasonable win for the Raptors. I I do don't think it should be discounted because of that. Because of the fact that hey, you know th- th- they had injuries. Well, that's part of the game. You built a super team, and some of your superstars are out but that's the risk you take with a super team do you have the depth exactly right? and, so. that, and that's the key word the depth right so if you look at what the warriors have right now if they had maybe one or two people on their bench that was somewhat decent like a harrison barnes this is reminiscence to that 2015 2016 run that they had without kd it's essentially the same team but they're just missing a core bench and then for me the biggest thing that's been hurting them personally i think this series is boogie cousins i know boogie had a, a decent game game two uh, somewhat game three, no, not game three. Game three, he was terrible, terrible. Even game one, terrible. For me, that is what's hurting them. Without Katie, they were like, oh, we have, you know, Boogie. Hopefully, he's, um, you know, eighty percent reminiscent of what he typically is. However, he has not been the same. He's slow. He doesn't have that confidence. You can see it in his body language. So, but yeah, I, I agree. This is still a great team. Great team the Warriors have without KD. There's no excuses. If you're going to lose, take it like a man. We already kind of touched on it, but this is really what we wanted to talk about the whole time. Now that we got the basketball part out of the way, mm-hmm. it's how is this whole situation? This is very, very unique because, and we talked about this in the first episode, you have a team in Golden State who is a dynasty. I don't think we could, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate it. <laughs> They're a dynasty, mm-hmm. fair and square. You have a, a fan base that has grown because of this dynasty that have seen this team just roll through playoffs year after year after year after year, except for, and then, you know, other than like the blip with Cleveland when they blew the 3-1 lead. But Good times. here, here the, the Warriors are in a situation that they've never been in, down 3-1 in the NBA Finals. My question to you is, I'm interested to know how it's playing out with the fan base in the Bay Area right now specifically, because this, as you say, you've been calling these fans out since day one about being bandwagon fans what is the temperature of the room if you will in the bay area right now with their team down 3-1 to a team that has never been here before well the warrior fan base is split just like any other any other team really but it's split in between two you have the authentic legit fans and then you have the bandwagoner fans now touching on the bandwagoner fans they're on that oh if kd wasn't hurt if boogie was 100 percent, if play didn't go down they're the uh the excuse uh, type they're you know oh we we should if, if this if that warriors would sweep warriors you know in a gentleman sweep and then you actually have the authentic real fans that a lot of my good friends that I'm I'm cool with who are legit warriors fans for over 15 years they're in shock they 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 can't believe that that they're down three one they can't believe that they got swept at Oracle so far in the in games three and four um, they you know just as I if Clay was there game three it probably would would be a different story. Uh, if he didn't get injured, but they're they're in complete shock. You know they still have that confidence, but they know that this is probably the end. And and being that, you know they're most likely going to win in Toronto for Game Five. Uh, 
it's a bit shocker to them. It's a bit shocker to them. But it's it also for me it's it's uh, refreshing, because I've only known being in the Bay Area for you know my entire life essentially, and, and being in this whole warrior I, I say dynasty with an asterisk personally, but. Um, you you just see all these Warrior fans just loading, heads up, like, yeah, it doesn't matter who we play, we're going to win in four, five, maybe six, etc. Um, but seeing a different type of energy here, especially from our authentic fans, it's like now you feel what the rest of the NBA feels when we face you, right? It, it doesn't feel good knowing that, damn, I'm going up against a team and, you know, we're the underdogs. That That's weird to you, to them, right? So it's it's a different feeling here. I, I try to ignore a lot of the fan, the, the bandwagoners, but I, I do connect and align with a lot of the actual authentic fans. You know, the uh, the We Believe phase, you know, are back then. Um, but yeah, they're just in complete shock. Well, you know, it's the, uh, I don't know if... <clears throat> I don't know if it's it's necessarily over. You know, I mean, even if they lose this series, you got to keep one thing in mind. They've blown a 3-1 series lead, mm-hmm. right? They, they've been on the other side of this. It hasn't been done before that happened to them. That was the first time in NBA history a team came back from 3-1, and it took a great player like LeBron James. If it were to happen again, you have to imagine it would be a team like this that's capable of doing it. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident the Raptors are going to take this now. But that said, I'm not going to go out and say the Raptors are going to come out because this is a team that's built, you know, especially if Kevin Durant comes back, you know, they keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. But as soon as he back, he's back, the whole dynamic really changes, right? Because the now you have to address that and it opens up so much more, you know, for Curry and everything else. But the I think the, the, the nice thing about this, too, it kind of for for a Golden State fan, it now gives you you're not taking it for granted, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like now that you're seeing your team and you're witnessing your team go through this and you're, and, and, and you're seeing what it's like to lose, to, to see what other teams had gone through on your you know, route to all these championships, it's nice to kind of see now, well, hey, like it, it's, this isn't easy. What they've accomplished over the years, even with the teams they have, is not easy. And mm-hmm. honestly, if you look at it from a professional sports standpoint, Golden State did it right. They had a good player that they landed in the draft in Steph Curry, and they built around it. I mean, if you're a business, right, that's the kind of, that's the kind of staff you want to build. <laughs> you have Great. the best of the best for your team. So I, I, I don't fault them for the super team because it's what any, any team would want. And if you are a fan or if you're trying to grow your fan base, Golden State wasn't anything for years. I agree. And then they land this, this gold mine is Steph Curry, and they build, you know, now all of a sudden this becomes a hot spot. Everybody wants to play for in Oakland. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you really stop and think about it, it's crazy. But through that somewhere, I think fans lost that <laughs> like, this wasn't what it was like all the time. And you talk about those bandwagon fans. This is not the norm. Eventually it ends. It does. You know, New England Patriots, it's going to end. Golden State Warriors, it's going to end. I don't know if this is the end, but it's definitely going to be a reminder of how lucky you are. But the one thing I found kind of weird, and we'll kind of transition to this, is um, <laughs> when you're watching... The Raptors fans took a lot of flack because of the empty seats at the start of the third quarter yeah, in Game Two when exactly. they when they got blown out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the guys on first take, Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith. You know, Stephen A. Smith particularly went, went off on went it. Off. Now, but see, the thing for me is I've I've been there right as a fan. I've been to the Air or Scotia Bank place, whatever it's called now, but Air Canada Center when I was there last uh, for both hockey and basketball. It's not an easy place to maneuver at an intermission, whether that be you know like a period intermission in hockey or halftime. 
it's it was built in 2000. <laughs> it has that kind of cookie cutter feel to it. You walk around the concourse. There's only so many concessions. There's a lot of people that are lining up all at once to get in. You know, he's complaining they're going to get concessions. Well, they're trying to get it at halftime so they can rush back. Exactly. Like, Rest totally breaks get it. too, all that. I thought it was unfair. Like, and obviously those people that got there, you know, regardless of, you know, I know Toronto gets the rap of the big business people and not the true fans. But at the end of the day, those tickets are a lot of money. It's a historic game. They don't want to be in a concession stand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I thought that was really unfair. But then when they went to Oakland, you know, I saw a lot of fans oh, leaving early. A ton of fans left early. And kind of to, 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 to talk about the Stephen A comment, right? The thing is, with that, it, it did kind of upset me because when you watch really any basketball game, the start of the third quarter, there's a lot of empty seats because people are returning back from concessions, from the restrooms. It's normal. Now, the reason why he, he was so upset about that is because, you know, the, the Warriors went on, I think it was like 18-0 run, right? And he was saying, oh, the Raptors should use their fan base to help them get back in the game. I, yes, I agree to some extent, but that's, you know, they could also play better basketball. Stop turning it over, make those, you know, uh, uh, uncontested shots, things like that. But it happens in every sports game you go to, and that's why it wasn't a big deal. A big deal to me, personally, is the fans who depart early when your team's getting spanked. Like, especially if it's the finals, because one of the things that always stood out to me, I remember it didn't work out for the Celtics um, at the end, but I'm, I remember when LeBron just destroyed us back in, I think it was 2012, and uh, forced a game seven, uh, and it was actually in, in Miami. A lot of the fans stayed at TD Garden and was like, Celtics and seven, let's go Boston, right? To hype the team up like, yo, we, you know, we just got LeBron. However, we're still behind you. We still have your back. Let's go get this, fellas. And to me, that is more important than arriving back in your seat slightly late because, yeah, you're trying to use restrooms. Restrooms are always long in any arena, any stadium that you actually go to. Same thing with concessions, right? I know, you know, sometimes uh, going to, uh, you know, Giants games out here in San Francisco, I'm a big garlic fan guy. And I try to go uh, whenever the Giants are not batting. But there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, did they shift? Did they move the garlic you know, concession here? Which one? Oh, it's further down now. They used to have a section over here. They stopped serving garlic fries. So when that happens, I'm going even further trying to discover where my, my favorite concession is. And that takes a lot longer for me to get back to my seat, right? So that's, that's why I didn't agree with, with Stephen A's comment. I, I do uh, believe that was okay. But yeah, departing you know, the, the, the game before it ends because you guys are losing by eight points when there's like two minutes left, that's still enough time to make a comeback. And that's why I don't like fans like that, particularly last night. And, and that's what that's what I wanted to say. A, of course, it's not a Giants game if you don't get garlic fries. That's it's, that's exactly. the that's, that's, that's the, the Leo code. That's the I Leo think it's code. In the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus wrote that. But but the thing is, Leo, they were not getting spanked. Yeah. You know, like these losses are not. It's not like they lost, they're getting blown out by 30, 40 points. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. these are still game, especially in the finals. Things happen so quickly. And the perfect example of that was remember the the famous Miami Heat doors locked. Yes. Oh, that was All funny. the fans left, and then they came back, yeah. and they couldn't get back the in the reality. arena because the doors were yeah. locked. Yeah. Like, it's just, it blows my mind. Now, we won't spend too much time on this, but, you know, you and I, as we've stated many times, are partial to the Celtics, but we live in these areas that have pretty diehard fan bases, so it seems. A lot of them are bandwagoners, but they're doing really well right now. So that said, when <laughs> First Take says... They go to Toronto, and you're seeing the Toronto first take live. It's all Raptors fans, right? You got mm – -hmm. it's all, like, purple and red. 
from you know you got the old Vince Carter jerseys, Tracy McGrady jerseys, right up to you know the Leonard jerseys, and even Bosch. some white yeah. and gold from the OVO jerseys, mm-hmm. whatever. And they you know they they acknowledge it and say they're they're a great crowd and whatever. They get to Oakland, and then they put it on them saying, "Well, who's the better one?" And they both, including I can't I don't know the host's name, the the girl that sits in the middle, Molly. But they both say hands down. Oakland has better fans than Toronto. And I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, okay, I've seen a Celtics jersey. I've seen two Sixers jerseys that are Lakers. not Iguodala jersey. You know, I saw Lakers. I saw Raptors. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, I get it. You know, from my perspective, as a Canadian, we our viewership, I'm watching that show that day, and my viewership does not count for anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to their ratings. They don't make any money because it's all Canadian commercials, you know, whatever. I, yeah, I, I kind of get it. But I thought that was pretty bold. But you being in the Bay Area, what would be your take on that? Do you think Oakland has better fans? Not, you know, not just because of the, the presence of them in terms of like Jurassic Park, but do you think Oakland has better fans in Toronto? So it, it's tough. So the reason why I would say partially yes is because when you say Oakland in general, you also have to think, you know, factor in the Raiders, you have to factor in the A's, right? And there's a lot of hardcore fans that have been through the Raiders phases where they sucked. Same thing with the A's, same thing with the Warriors, right? And they've been there from the beginning. Whereas with, you know, Toronto fans, it's, it, it's hard because you have one city who has a basketball team that's in essence representing the whole country, right? So it's, it's kind of hard to make that, that comparison. Um, Raptors fans, I, I feel like they're more, they're more uh, poised. They are, they're good, genuine people, and they, they, But I don't think they've been around as long. You know, as we mentioned, a lot of people weren't Raptors fans until you know the Vincanity era really kicked off. And then they kind of, you know, went down a little bit. Then they got Bosch and went back up. So they fluctuate. Whereas there's been a lot of hardcore fans in Oakland because across the Bay you have the San Francisco teams that have been doing relatively well the last 20 years right so they are they're jealous but they have been there like yeah we've been there through the lows and also the highs so it's hard to really compare that in in my opinion they both have great fan bases like you it was crazy because every every time you would hear the Raptors make a run at Oracle in the game on ESPN and ABC you would hear the crowd in you know the, the the Canadian crowd in Oracle Arena just going ecstatic whereas when you're in Jurassic Park, right? Or not Jurassic, but yeah, Jurassic Park in in, um, in Toronto. When the Warriors run little mini runs, you don't hear it in the crowd. So that shows you that you guys travel well. You guys are actually right then, you know, there for your team. Whereas I feel like a lot of Oakland fans wouldn't actually fly up to Canada to watch that. But one thing that does annoy me is that Drake hasn't come down here. Game four, you know, game three and four. He's supposed to be, you know, one of the biggest fans. You would have think he would have came down here at least one game. Well, you know what? That's the funny thing that you say that because his big his big claim is he is the biggest Toronto. It's more Toronto than it is Raptors. Yeah. And he, uh, what I was more surprised, and I, maybe he did. I just might not have seen it, but in the f- games, uh, the last game of the conference final, uh, he was at Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So they had a stage for him there. Like you yeah. know, he wants to be. I get it. He's kind of like the hip hop mayor of Toronto. He yeah. wants to stay there and hype his crowd because there's technically even when they're on the road, there's still a home crowd through Jurassic Park. Exactly. But you know, and the the thing with right now is there's a movement happening here. Yes. In in Canada, like they travel well because it's a whole country behind them. Mm-hmm. So anybody from Canada who's displaced in California, which would make sense, you know, especially being the, the tech capital of the world, really. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of Canadians that are there with some disposable income that, Hey, I'm a Raptors fan. 
they have one team to go see, exactly. right? They don't, whereas, you know, you have to be from Oakland or the Bay Area more or less to be a true Warriors fan that's going to travel with the team mm-hmm. because there's just so many teams across the states, right? So that, that does kind of make sense. But the movement here is insane. So from Jurassic Park in Toronto, what we now have is a Jurassic Park across the country, right. right across from where I live. I'm in Regina, Saskatchewan. That's miles away. It's like 2,000 kilometers away from Jurassic Park. And they have a Jurassic Park right here in our main park in the middle of the city watching on like a 14-foot screen. And on Monday, they're opening the football stadium to watch it on a 68-square-foot screen. That's, that's awesome. the Yeah, it's like the, it's bigger than a – much bigger than a basketball court. Yeah. And everybody's going to – and I'm anxious to see how many people show up to the stadium that holds thirty-five or 40,000 people, whatever it is, to watch a game on a big screen just to be part of – of the experience and we're no, nowhere near Toronto. Yeah. And this isn't just here that ha- there's one in Halifax, there's one in Regina, there's one in Saskatoon and there's probably Winnipeg. I'm not even sure, but there's a, places all over. And then Ontario, it's like even the outside of the greater Toronto area, just outside of Toronto, they all have 24, like 30,000 people showing up to parks to watch games. This is a movement. This is what's starting that true fandom. Like you're talking about, yeah. I think with golden state, there's never really been anything like even when mm-hmm. Vincent started. Yeah. The team was only, what, five, six years old at the time? Yeah. They came in in 95, and by the time Vince was there in 99, and by the time he really came out was 2001, 2000, 2001, whatever dunk contest that was, that was really what launched it and was kind of the, the first true step. But you're getting a lot of, like, now the Raptors, I feel, for the first time, you know, you had a lot of diehard fans or, you know, fans that really wanted it to work. And, you know, it's not that it didn't work. But now they're getting those casual fans, people that never watched basketball before in their lives. They knew the Raptors existed but didn't care. And now you're getting, and I'm talking old people Mm -hmm. and young people, Mm -hmm. not our generation. We're talking about the generation below us and the generations ahead of us. You know, we're talking people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are watching basketball who never, never gave it a second look. Like, that's what this movement is starting. You know, and that's why I think, you know, they're going to win. But if they were to blow a 3-1 lead... I still think it wins because now they're seeing the ups and the downs and everybody's incredibly invested. So I think you're right in the sense that Oakland probably does have a stronger fan base in terms of its um, dedication, Mm -hmm. but it's just starting with Toronto. But the thing is I did find it hard because even though Toronto, a lot of the Toronto fans are new, they're pretty dedicated. Even when they were down, the, the, the arena wasn't empty after game two. Yeah. Right when when they were when they were out of it and they had a run in the fourth quarter because of it, you know they went an eighteen zero run. It looked like a, there was no point of coming back, but yeah. they made a game of that game too, and the fans were there for it. No, seriously. You know? So uh, it's 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 tough to say that it's, um, it's they're better fans, but I, you got to say that the, the way they're coming out is is awesome. To oh, see. I agree. It, it's not a landslide. I, I it's it's pretty much neck to neck to me too. And this whole Jurassic Park phase, it's not like this is something that has happened brand new. It's been there for the last really three to four years. It's just, you know, going in the Eastern Conference, you got to go through LeBron. And it doesn't matter what team, the last eight years, you know, prior to this year, nobody had luck against LeBron. Celtics, Raptors, any, any other team, right? But that fandom has been slowly building up for the last few years. The DeRozan era, right? The Dwayne Casey, uh, you know, it, it's, that's why I don't just think, oh, this is just a year because they're doing well. You have one of the top three best players in all of the NBA and all of the world and Kawhi Leonard now on the Raptors. No, this is something that has been uh, happening the last few years, and that's why I'm all for it. I, I'm, I, I love hearing the, the fans during the, uh, every single game at Oracle, the, the Raptors fans, just cheering their asses off because, again, you're playing for not just the, the city of Toronto, an entire country. And to me, as a fan watching the game, 
I appreciate that. I really do. It makes me feel because I can't. We can't compare that here in the states. We can't say we have one basketball. Let's just say one hockey team because you know hockey's big in Canada. Let's say we only have one team. Let's say it's the San Jose Sharks that is in a Canadian league that wins or gets to the Stanley Cup. Right? That would be crazy for the entire country here in the U.S. But that's not the case. But that you know, as a comparison, so that's why I'm all for what what's happening with the Raptors because it makes me happy for the country. It makes me happy for the fandom, the fan base. I'm all for it, and I really hope they pull it off at home, Game 5, because one, you guys definitely are, not you guys, we're Celtics fans, but the country definitely deserves it. Secondly, I can't wait to talk all the smack. I have so much smack talk I've been holding in the last five years. Uh, so for them to you know, essentially have, uh, if Boogie didn't, go, didn't get hurt essentially the second time, the greatest starting five almost of all time when you mentioned Boogie, KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and you guys lose in the finals against you know the Raptors, and it's not a knock against the Raptors, but against the Raptors and really any team. Oh, that's going to be the, oh, that's that's all. It's not going to surpass the, you know the blowing through one lead, but it's going to it's going to live for a long, long time, and I can't wait for that to happen. Well, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I've been having a lot of fun with the trolling as well, yes. right? I like to I like to troll on the misfortune of the Raptors and you know calling them out, and I've been wearing some Golden State stuff just to get people going, and <laughs> yeah. you know. But it's at the end of the day, you know, it the Raptors fans have shown me a lot of respect. I mean, as you said with your Golden State fans, I know a lot of diehard Raptors fans. I mean, I grew up. Uh, you know, playing basketball where the Raptors were the only team and it wasn't the Vince Carter era. So there's plenty of fans here that are, are very knowledgeable of the game, that are knowledgeable of the team's history, that, you know, were there for the Vince Carter missed shot against Philadelphia and, you know, that are witnessing this. And I do feel good for them. And, at, you know, at the end of the day, it makes me a little proud too. And I am on the Raptors side for this because it, it, it is going to be a big for the, the sport in the country, yeah. right? It's already been big. And this the sport's been growing like crazy over the last few years. And this is just going to put it out. This is what, you know, the Blue Jays had a lot of success, you know, leading up to their 92 World Series. You know, they always came close, but, you know, they won some divisions and whatever, but never won the World Series. And then they won two in a row. And that has established them. You know, they were already a good team. They had a fan base, but there was this kind of cultural establishment through the championship. And I think the same thing's going to happen with the Raptors, where it's no longer a novelty per se. It's actually, you know, it is a, a fabric of our culture, and I think it's it's huge. And I, like I say, I, I'm loving this. I'm enjoying this run. I'm enjoying seeing, you know, the the country get behind the team and and you know want to see them do well. So it's been it's been awesome. It's a movement happening right now, and it's really really cool to witness. You know, like I said, I don't think anybody ever gave. Overall, I don't think the basketball scene was big in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, mm-hmm. and Saskatchewan. And now there's you know more people caring about basketball than hockey, which is nuts. Like the Stanley Cup Finals are on, and I'm not hearing anything about it. It's exactly. just Raptors, Raptors, Raptors. And that speaks volumes because hockey is king here. And this is a huge step for the sport and just you know to see the fans grab onto it like that and become diehards i'm okay with it i've gained a lot of respect because a lot of the bandwagoners you know that were there just for their success i think now they are true fans they've they've bought in and i think this is going to create fandom not only for playoffs to come but they're going to be there through the regular seasons now and follow the team because it's developed that interest not just i want to be a jurassic park oh i've been a fan my whole life well now it's like it doesn't matter if you're a fan your whole life because now this is the team that is going to move forward like this will be the moment where you know i started watching when when Kawhi came to the team, right? Yeah. And, and we won that championship. And then, you know, 20 years down the road, that will be credible. 
And I'll that's agree. the difference. It's not just people coming back and forth, you know. And a great thing about that too, kind of to touch on uh, the last podcast, you mentioned that now Toronto, and I think it has to do also with the with the fan base there as well too. It's looking more appealing to other free agents. I, I do think they would now start looking at Toronto like you know this is a place that that I can see myself moving my career to because they have a great fan base. You know the city of Toronto is amazing. I've, I've been there uh, for a couple of days. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And I, I definitely want to go back. Hint, hint. No, but but the you know I do I do think that now some free agents will start considering that because and in all honesty there hasn't been a lot of free agents that have have been there right who are like you know I want to sign there it's been either they've been drafted a la Vince Carter or they have been traded there a la Kawhi Leonard right so like there hasn't been a lot of marquee free agents who sought after moving to Toronto. But I think that's going to change now because the last few years, seeing how well they've been doing and seeing how big the fandom and the, fa- and the fan base is getting, I don't think KD will go there, but I do think some other free agents the next couple of years will really start looking at Toronto as a place that they can actually move and, and, and make, a good, make a good case there, you know? I'm interested to see how the free agency plays oh, out right after this, this is done because th- I'm starting to th- think that Kawhi is going to stay, but so is KD and Clay. I think that they, why break it up? There's just no point at this point. But uh, one thing before we end the podcast here, Leo, I wanted to ask you, um, obviously, you know, <laughs> being a show about, you know, the fan experience, uh, I think it's is it Mark Stevens. The, uh, the fan from Golden State, also minority owner who pushed Kyle Lowry. Just wanted to get your take on that. Um, I truly believe that, you know, of course, it was a, it was a bonehead move. He shouldn't have did that. You know, that's, you know, LeBron made a good point on social media. On the back of your tickets, to let you know, being courtside or, you know, or a couple rows behind courtside, there is the potential of players to jump into you after going to loose balls and, you know, all this other stuff. So you have to be aware of that. Uh, and that's a risk that you're taking when buying these seats. He shouldn't have pushed them. I think the ban should have been at least two years and at least a million dollars. Not 500000 I think a million dollars because, one, he has the money. Secondly, you need to make an example out of them because it, you know, a lot of people, they were to kind of compare it to, to real life situations, right? If somebody of color were to go into Mark Stevens's, you know, uh, job and shove him, he's getting arrested. He's getting fined, the potential jail time, all this other stuff, right? Why is it that we're not doing the same thing for, for minority owners or owners in general, right? And that's why I do think I'm happy that they, they, they gave him that fine. However, it should have been harder. That's my personal feelings. I don't, I don't think it should have been a lifetime ban, as, as some people were saying. Yeah, lifetime ban. It wasn't worth a lifetime ban. Now, if he threw a punch you know, at him, maybe. But he did a little shove, like, get off me. You hit my wife or whatever that, the case may have been. Uh, but, yeah, I think it should have been at least two years and at least a million dollars, personally. Because a million dollars you know, to him is, is not a lot, but it's still a good chunk. And it, it, can, it can somewhat hurt. But, yeah, that, that's my take on it. How about yourself? Wise, well, you know, my thing I thought for sure people were, and it, it did a little bit, but I was very impressed in how it didn't take that turn, you know, comparing it to Drake. Yeah. Uh, you know, totally different. And, you know, this is pushing a player. Uh, Drake knows these players when he was doing, you know, when he's doing these, his antics, yeah. right? Yeah. They're all friends. This guy does not know Kyle Lowry. It did seem to be a little aggressive. Uh, there's no place for it, you know, whether you're an owner or not. Yeah. Like, there's There's no place for that. You're there to watch the game. These guys are paid big money to entertain you. They're not there to be your entertainment. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Where you know where you you make yourself the show. So, you know, I'm okay with it. He's out for the finals. He's you know it's five hundred thousand dollars. You know it's not a lot of money to him, but it's still a lot of money. I think the Warriors do have to look at that though and and make maybe buy out his share. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but I, I, you know, I was glad it was handled it with swiftly, you know, the referees did the right thing, you know, went to the NBA, the NBA reviewed it and then NBA security escorted him out. So, you know, it was all taken care of pretty well. Like when it's all said and done, I think they, they did a good job. Now, Leo, I also want to get your prediction for game five. Do you think the Raptors clinch in Toronto? I I do. I think they're going to win. It's going to be double digits. I I personally think because the high of them being up three, one, and then also the Raptors crowd, being hyped because one, they're up three one. Two, the criticisms that they have received from, you know, Stephen A. Smith and others alike about leaving, you know, not being in your seat to start of the third quarter when your team needs you, blah, blah, blah. I think that's gonna hype up the crowd so much. And, you know, I think about when the Celtics beat uh, the Lakers back in two thousand eight, the the crowd was so hyped, right? We we were up three games to two. We didn't want us to go higher than that. And they end up setting the setting the NBA record. I think it was a thirty nine point win. It was a blowout, right? And that's why I think the Raptors and the Raptors fans will come in knowing they need to take care of business because any other team, you can lose this game, it'd be okay. But against the Warriors, and then, you know, knowing that KD may come. I, I, speaking of KD, KD's not coming back, I don't think, this series. I think, I think he has an Achilles injury or something that's a lot more harsh that they're willing to announce at this time because they want to keep that fear in their opponents. It's psychological. They, they want to make sure that, oh, at any time, KD can come back. He can light you guys up. If he's back, game over, right? But I do think he's not going to come back. They're just, they just don't want to admit it. But I, I do think the Raptors win in double digits as of Monday, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. How about yourself? They lose game five. I don't know. I don't, don't know by the margin, but they're going to lose game five, and there's a very good reason why they're going to lose game five and why Oracle Arena is the most important arena in Raptors history. Because if they win, when they win, It'll be the first NBA championship north of the border, but it won't be the first trophy that the Raptors had won, mm-hmm. right, on a court. Yeah. First one was actually Vince Carter, which started this whole Raptors fever when he won the dunk contest. Do you know where that happened to take place, Leo Yokely? No, I don't. Happened to take place at Oracle <laughs> Arena. So that would be the second time yeah. in Raptors history awesome. they, raise a, they raise a trophy on the Oracle court. So I think they are going to go to Oracle, win in game six, and end the, end the era of Oracle and make it the most important arena in Raptors franchise oh, history. I would love that, and I would also love for Kenny Smith to come out and be like, it's over, it's over, ladies and gentlemen, especially if that were to happen, right? Oh, that'd be amazing. But no, I'm especially, all for it. It's got to be one big dunk by Kawhi Leonard just coming <laughs> down the court, like, you know, with like 40 seconds yeah. left that just puts him like 15 points up. It's yeah. over. Oh, that'd be it's awesome. Over, ladies and gentlemen. Who, who is your wild card player to stand out to help clinch the deal? For the Raptors? For the Raptors. Oh, Siakam. I just feel like... You know that he's he, he's still young. Like I keep flip flopping with this guy in the sense that you know he misses shots in big time in big moments, but then he hits big moment shots, and he's a he's a star in the making. And I think that would be kind of the next generations coming out. You know, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, plays well. You know, Fred Van Vliet has been playing really well too. But yeah. I just feel like if it's going to be a very big impact, the Van Vliet's and the Lowry's will kind of help push you along a little bit but I feel like if there's going to be a huge impact player to clinch this thing aside from Kawhi Leonard I feel like Pascal Siakam's just built for it and that's what's going to kind of be the the foundation of a really strong big career like that that key moment that really oh, wow he he is good and, and you know he is going to be one of the greats in this league and so I would I would put my money on Siakam as being the second most important person uh, in a clinching game 
after Kawhi Leonard. And even if Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's going to play well either way, yeah. but obviously he's, you know, public enemy number one for, for the Golden State Warriors. So there is going to be room for someone to step up. And I, I just think they don't, the, the respect for Siakam is just not there. But, you know, it's hard because Serge Ibaka has been playing really well too playing defensively, well. right? Like, like that's the thing. Like, you know, his, his contributions might not be technically on the score sheet, but it will be on the defensive end, you know, with blocks and stuff like that. I mean, he's just such a big presence. But I would, I got to go Siakam. I'm thinking, Bro, who do you think? I'm thinking finals Danny Green. I think Danny Green is so key because you look at game one, Siakam really helped, you know, the Raptors win that game one. And then game three, it was Danny Green. Danny Green was mm-hmm. on fire, right? He, he has a really that. he had yeah he did. It's a confidence booster, but also too, I think the if Danny Green plays like the every game, honestly, it's, it's a sweep. I don't think that the the Raptors win or excuse me, I don't think the Warriors win game two. I think it's, it's a four zero win uh, for the Raptors. We just need Danny Green to play well. I think it's gonna be finals Danny Green. I think he's gonna come up some bitch shots because he plays relatively well on the road, which is crazy, and he doesn't play too good at home. But I think he's gonna actually open up. Uh, the game, I think he's going to have, uh, I would say, anywhere between 10 to 15 points the first half, and it's going to be crucial, crucial to, to their Game 5 victory. That's my that's my prediction. Well, we're going to see. Game 5 is on Monday. Oh, yes. You know we're going to have a podcast oh, yes. not long after that game is over, oh, one way or the other. Yeah. So buckle up. Yes, sir. <laughs>